you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Smokes Macanudos and tosses a disc around. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hantis and I am joined in a stadium filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. As we get farther away... From our home country, the intros by Matt Money Smith become more beguiling. I, I have Greg and I looked at each other. We have no idea what that meant. No idea at all. None all, of you. Also, something I'd throw a disc around. Something England related would have been nice. We are in the middle of London right now. It's some in one of the most that we don't get. Famous new stadiums in the world. It's an office. Remember, someone DM'd me, and all of us were talking about Macanudos and throwing up. Throwing a disc around and like we got thousands of mentions. Well, if it wasn't within the last forty-eight hours. We don't remember it. But this place <laughs> is not filled with heroes. It's empty. It's a little uh, unnerving, but also beautiful to be in a huge stadium with no people in it. This is Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and I have to get that right because first of all, I I thought Sunday's game so it was very busy. It was a whirlwind getting here. <laughs> Uh, I thought the game was played in Wembley Stadium on Sunday. Took a little heat for that, I, 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 I saw. I Did none of you notice me say that on the show uh, once and correct me you know, gently? Dan, by the way, I didn't the game was at a different we facility. We tune out sometimes just like you. <laughs> it's, that was an effective shifting of blame right there. Um, uh, and then I called this place Tottenham Stadium. That is not good either. It's Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Neil Reynolds got on my case about that. And, uh, yes, it's, it's a beautiful new facility, just opened in April, and it's a, it has a, a, a field specially designed uh, for the NFL, and uh, one day, perhaps, will be the home field of a, a team that calls London uh, their home on a full-time basis. One can dream. By the way, I, I, I want to try this again. I did it off mic before. It is empty. Uh, Nick Pike, who works at the U.K. office for the NFL, can I scream just to hear the echo? Okay, here we go. I don't know if that's going to show up. That sounded, was really loud. It sounded like someone in pain. That was pretty cool. It probably will alert. Uh, I mean, this isn't just anyone's stadium either. This is the Champions League finalist Tottenham Hotspurs. Second place is first loser. you got to put it out there. We, we got a cab from our hotel, and I'll get into the, ho- to the hotel in a second. Um, and the guy driving us had a West Ham um, air freshener hanging from his rearview mirror. And apparently that's the big rivalry, West Ham and Tottenham Hotspurs. And he asked us if we, were, if, we, if we went for Tottenham. And I feel like if we answered him wrong, that was it. There just would be blood everywhere. Well, he had claimed that he had in the past been to a number of matches where a lot of blood and guts were spilled. Right. And you made the faux pas here in the U.K. of saying soccer to him, where we are on their <laughs> turf now. It's football. I, what this, I'm doing is I'm, introdu- about American football. I, I'm introducing my culture to him. It's a very American sentiment to be like, hey, what about the soccer matches here? Oh, well, there will be more <laughs> faux pas, I'm certain. <laughs> anyway, yes, this is the first purpose-built NFL stadium outside the U.S. World-class facility just opened, and we are sitting in it as they, they are preparing for the second 
London game between the Panthers and the Bucks on Sunday. We will be here. They're prepping. It's a, a mad scramble that they are painting the end zones later this week. Uh, and we were walking on the field, and we got to check out the locker rooms. Such a cool place. So uh, really a thrill to be here. Locker room was nice. State-of-the-art facility. It's like a club. I do feel like if you look up behind us, there's definitely like an assassin's perch up there somewhere <laughs> ready to take one That's of us what out. They call it. Hopefully me. Um, they, were, they were given a tour <laughs> earlier today, and Eric someone recognized uh, Ricky Hollywood. Yeah, it was very cool. Very cool. I had my leather jacket on. It was like perfect timing. You're so badass. A male. Yeah. A large male. You, you described him as very a large tall. male. Very tall, yeah. yes. Um, so today's show is going to be fun. Uh, we got a whole week lined up of great activities. Today's show will be uh, focused on several things, kind of almost like a typical Tuesday show in a non-typical location. We have Monday night football recap to get to, Mark. It sounds like you picked a good time to fly across the world and miss a Browns game. Yeah, to say the least. And now I know why there's a bounce in your step, as we would say, as <laughs> my team took a trouncing while I was asleep on an airplane. Um, you're a sick man. I'm excited to be in London. I don't care about your crappy team that much. Um, we also uh, will do a, a segment, great moment on the plane, a couple great moments on the plane. Greg and I are in the same row on Virgin Atlantic, which great job by you, Virgin Atlantic. Um, Greg turns the iPad to me to show me um, an ESPN page that showed that my New York Yankees had swept their way to the ALCS. I was very excited to see that, and that the Browns had been trounced, which apparently I was very excited to see as well. And I must was, have hit the mark with this. It's, right. You know. It was like it was like it, de- it was in the middle of the night, and Dan just starts hooting and hollering, wakes everyone <laughs> up. He's like, "Yeah, f- Maker Mayfield." <laughs> and um, so th- that gave us the idea for a segment. Uh, if you were handed an iPad on a plane flying over the Atlantic Ocean uh, and you had been out of the loop for instead of one night, uh, the first five weeks of the football season, what would, what would stun you about what you were reading? Uh, so we'll do that. Thursday night preview, Giants at Patriots. Are you kidding me? Now the Patriots get both New York teams? Something's fishy. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and we'll do some news, including the first firing of the 2019 season, and it probably won't be the last uh, but before we do that, let's talk Monday Night Football. And he's got this running game working, as you see, with Matt Breida. And look at the speed on Breida. What a way to start it. 83-yard touchdown. Yes, Matt Breida got it going for the Niners, and they never let up. An absolute trouncing at the big bell bottom. Uh, as the San Francisco 49ers took it to Mark's Cleveland Browns, a 31-3 to final, and a game that could have been even worse than it was uh, if not for some missed field goal attempts by the Niners, um, a game where Baker Mayfield struggled mightily and the San Francisco running game piled up 275 yards on the ground, an absolute whipping Um Wes, I know we were <clears throat> flying. You got a chance to check out this game uh, on Game Pass in your hotel before we came over. And was it as bad as the, the box score and all the write-ups seemed to indicate? Well, I was half delirious from lack of sleep, so take this with a grain of salt. But it reminded me quite a bit of the 49ers-Bengals game from earlier in the year where it was just a wall-to-wall thumping. And it looked to me like the 49ers were playing downhill. 
They were just the faster team playing at a different speed and intensity. And on both sides of the ball, on special teams, every area of the game, the 49ers look like a superpower. The, the 49ers are the toughest running offense in the league to defend. And we'll get to the Browns. But to me, the 49ers are weirdly the bigger story here because we've been waiting to find out who weirdly, is this. Weirdly, they're 4-0. Right. That, I just mean maybe on this show we've obviously been focused on the Browns, not just because of Mark, but also nationwide people have been focused on the Browns all off season. We weren't talking about the 49ers as kind of the cool rising team that's going to take over the NFL, but they are. They're so hard to defend I love on ESPN how they show who's on the field on offense in terms of the skill position players every play. And you could appreciate a Kyle Shanahan offense when they do that because you realize how often it's two tight ends and a fullback and one receiver. Or it's one tight end, a fullback, kind of a blocking wide receiver. There was a lot of Levine to Loilo uh, in the in the game. There's, of course, uh, a great game. Um by their entire defense, but on offense, it just feels like Kyle Shanahan's always one step ahead of the opposing defenses right now, and it's interesting because him and Sean McVay, in theory, kind of come from the same school, and they do some similar things, but they do it in such different ways. You would never see two tight ends and a fullback in a Sean McVay offense. It's a huge... This was the game where I think people were waiting on San Francisco to find out, oh, this will be the week you're legit or you're not. And I, I'm not sure the Browns are actually a test at this point. I'm not, I'd, I'd come out very concerned about them for a variety of reasons. But to, to thump Cleveland the way they did, and I haven't had a chance to watch it, and, and never will I watch it. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, I, it's encouraging because, you know, the Niners weren't talked about this offseason, but they were talked about all offseason last year. They were, you, right? you they were the team. Them. You have always been a big Kyle Shanahan fan and a big 49ers fan by extension. I have. Well, you got that maybe you should you. just uh, switch on over. It's a neat. My wife is a Niners fan. I mean, it would create family unity. That wouldn't be the mm-hmm. worst thing. So You know what I was thinking of during this game? Uh, I think it was Peter Schrager when we had him on from the swimming pool. And it was him who said that the guy everyone in the NFL is talking about is the next head coaching candidate, his 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, and they are right up there with the Patriots as the best, and you know, throw the Bills in there as the best defenses in the NFL this year. You could argue they have more talent on defense move, than they move do on offense. things along, guys. It's starting to rain. It's a lot of electronic equipment sitting on our laps, and Ricky has it in front of her. A very dangerous moment right now. Speaking of dangerous, the Cleveland Browns are supposed to be dangerous. They're supposed to be feeling dangerous. And we, we have what's now a major issue. Baker Mayfield. 8 of 22, 100 yards, 4.5 yards per attempt, two interceptions. Um, he leads the NFL with eight picks this year. Odell Beckham, two catches for 15 yards, uh, three points total. Uh, this is one of the biggest uh, surprises of the early season, right, that this is happening right now with the Browns. I think it is, and I this is tangential to that, but when I read the story where before the game he refused to shake hands with Richard Sherman – and a, and a couple other Niners players. I know that a lot of Baker Mayfield stuff gets blown up, and I and I kind of brushed almost all of it off. But to me, that that rubbed me the wrong way. And to go out and then lay a total egg. Yeah, his career is still very young, and and we want these guys to be fully developed products seven or eight games into their career. But it is concerning because the trajectory coming out of last year, not unlike Jimmy G, I thought after his little six game sample size where everyone thought he'd be Joe Montana part two and he struggled and got injured. It's it takes time you know with these what it guys. It reminds me a lot of 
as a Jets fan, Rex Ryan, when he started, he always ran his mouth. He always, you know, played to the media and clapped back at people that came after him. And when you're winning, it works and it's fun. But when you're not playing well and you're losing, it just it, it turns ugly quickly. And, you know, the fact you had two issues with Mayfield uh, outside the game. You had the handshake thing that Richard Sherman then came after him in an uh, interview with Mike Silver after the game. You had Nick Bosa, who got a measure of revenge, uh, Mayfield, during his college days at uh, Oklahoma, planting the flag at midfield against Bosa and Ohio State. So after Bosa gets to uh, Mayfield, he does a simulated plant flag. And Bosa had an outrageous game, uh, two sacks, lived in the backfield, forced the fumble. Um, oh, my God, it is. We are getting starting rain, rain is coming down. We need to take a timeout. All right, I need help. Okay. <laughs> All right. There it is, the first ever around the NFL podcast rain delay. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> Maybe the first podcast rain delay, period? Did we make history? It was about a 29-minute delay. Uh, it involved uh, many unathletic man, men uh, scampering and carrying equipment through the rain inside, and, uh, and Erica setting it all back up for us inside. There are unanswered questions if I might have damaged a $20,000 lens. So if so, I will just I also, I'll be leaving the company We did what soon. we could. I also take issue with... As usual, Greg's commentary, you know, making comments, you know, about other people. Uh, and, right, uh, when but Greg also, did the least. Greg did Hold on, by that's far the least amount of work. That, well, by far. The Greg least was amount. grabbing two chairs at a time. He was picking I, up all the wires. I went back out there three times. I, I don't know what you're talking about. So you're actually, no, once, actually, you're totally no, in the I'm wrong. Not. While you're staying, keeping your hair dry. Give me a break. Once, <laughs> once, once we got inside, Greg was like, oh, that's enough of physical labor for the decade for me. I'm shutting it down. Well, you know, we're working with the wires, just trying to get oh, you when know, we're dry into- everything off. Why did it need to go into yeah, this direction? I, 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 I was making a joke that we're all making a run, uh, run for it, and you're taking shots when I'm the one out there getting things. Otherwise, it was still sitting there. I don't know. I just didn't think it was a complete effort by you. I thought it was half an effort. I mean, Mark picked up a case, and then one of my extremely, extremely expensive lenses just rolled out onto the rainy field. <laughs> well, I took and, accountability if I just mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, you did. Yeah. But you scurried right back up and picked it up, and it was, it was amazing. <laughs> Very quick. Well, I also found your phone uh, yeah, it fell in out the of middle my... of a wet, grassy field. Had All that right. not happened, let's, where would we be? Let's get back on track. We're now inside. <laughs> We're right outside the Tottenham Hotspurs dressing locker room area. Oh, now, yeah, we are. Which I would imagine... There are, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in this area that would die to be in this room. And here we are just viewing it as a place to get under a roof. Well, we, we're aware of how special it is to be here, and it's very exciting. Let's get back. Think of all the history that's happened here in the last 10 months. <laughs> <laughs> let's, um, let's get back to the game. And, uh, yes, so Nick Bosa, listen to this stat line for Nick Bosa on Monday Night Football. Get ready. Two sacks, two tackles for loss, four tackles, five quarterback hurries, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. He announced himself as an NFL star in primetime this week. I think it was a big deal to get the bye week for Nick Bosa, and this was healthy Nick Bosa. He had come back very quickly from a pretty serious ankle sprain, had been playing through it. Even in games, had gotten hurt 
kind of as the game went along. They get the bye week. He comes back out, and he looks like a superstar. He looked like the best player on a field that included Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield and plenty of other great players. I think it's it, the fascinating story going forward is the NFC West is loaded and bizarre, and there are a ton of NFC West head-to-head competitions coming up. Mark, where's your P-scale on the, on the Browns? One, pants totally dry. Weren't, wasn't trapped well, well, outside. I'll put it this way because I think Ten anyone – soaked. It's like one – one you, 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 you made point. one trip, brought one thing in, you're Dan. Like, or like three <laughs> – you made three trips okay. back out into the rain to get everything whatever and make sure could, everything whatever was dry. you could dry. say something that actually gets Greg mad, you know you've succeeded. You, you've done well. It's, <laughs> it's hard it's, to do. It's three-plus trips. <laughs> I, I know the feeling I had, and I think any whenever you're a fan and you're stuck in a place where you can't – track a game of a team that you care about very much and like I intentionally didn't want to go minute by minute with this thing on an airplane if it was going south it's too sc- so I you know I knew the game was over at, it, long after after the fact and I did the thing where I purchased the internet uh, you know hour long service just to get the score and you're that moment where I'm typing <laughs> Browns 49ers score you're rolling the dice, a hundred-sided dice. It could have ended in a billion ways. Had it had it ended forty-five to seven Browns, I would have just stood up on the airplane and walk up and down the aisle and start slapping people <laughs> five. But it's thirty to three. It's about as awful as a dice roll as you could have. You gotten. said you understand the scale by now, but you didn't give me a one to ten. I number. said initially it's three plus chairs I brought in or three plus trips because I got <laughs> that is. wet because there's that that much pee on me. I, I guess the peak is coming down literally from the sky on me. It's not coming from me, so it's bad. God, I mean, God urinating on you. Yeah, and that's yeah. sort of what's been the, the experience of a Browns fan for a long time at this point. I mean, Baker Mayfield, you know, acts tough before the game. It felt like he had a little bit of a P-scale in this game. Very early on, has a wide-open Odell Beckham for a big play, just overshoots him. The first third down of the game, not really any pressure. He decides to try to go make a play on his own, ends up throwing up a pretty good throw, but Ricky Seals-Jones can't come up with it. Uh, He fumbles in the game. There is a lot of pressure on him, and the offensive line didn't play well, but some of that is the scheme, I think. Some of that's Mayfield. Some of that's the running backs and tight ends who got Mayfield and the running game blown up in this game when they were trying to uh, protect. So it's a little bit of everything, but Baker's not playing well. I mean, that's pretty obvious. It's a lot of bad news. He's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this year. Statistically, you're right. In, in mean, a league where it's where it's hard, where right now not many quarterbacks are truly struggling, you're right. I, it's I, not just statistically, like not – being comfortable with what he's seen, seeing ghosts in the pocket, he hasn't been a good quarterback. And we went from, oh, you know, his interceptions are playful and Brett Favre-like because he's a sea pirate throwing balls to mostly his guys too, to now it's he's turning the ball over at a crazy rate. Well, there's just no rhythm. There was no rhythm in this game. This is one reason why I always push back against when people said, well, those, that doesn't count. You know, the Rams racked up numbers in garbage time, or this team did it in garbage time. There's no guarantee that you're going to get anything in garbage time. The Browns were worse in the second half of this game than they were in the first half. They end up with, yeah, like 100 yards. Beckham had his two catches for 27 with about 27 seven minutes left in the game and it's 28 to three and the Browns couldn't even do anything when there was nothing going on when they had all the time in the world to just try to pass and they couldn't do all it. Right, it was I've crazy. had enough of this. Topic. I'm sorry. Let's, give, Let's, I'm shift sorry. Gears Let's give Jimmy G a little credit though. Uh, he's a different, the difference between Baker and Jimmy G is Jimmy G's got a great defense and a great coaching staff. Everything for him is first read. He has not really had to do anything this year and they're four and oh. Nick Bosa with the last word. 
uh, on his rival. I don't know how anybody thought he would be able to see over Eric Armstead and Bu- uh, DeForest Buckner, but he was panicking. He was double-clutching, rolling back and forth. We had him rattled all game. And that's it, Mark. We won't talk about this game ever again. Let's do some news. Oh, I'm so sorry. You'll need a UK passport to check those files. Therefore, British eyes only. Oh, you need the song in there. The song is what makes it. For British eyes only. Well, we just got the song. All right, let's get into the big news. And the only really big news item here, uh, which is Jay Gruden is out as Redskins head coach, following an 0-5 start. Uh, and a 33-7 to loss to the Patriots on Sunday. Gruden was fired. Uh, the team confirmed uh, a report that was out there. Gruden uh, spoke out on Monday saying that, you know, he has he's not bitter. He had time to get things done, but it just never happened over five and a half years. He did also add, though, that he wished he had a little more control over uh, who came into the building and who he was coaching, which is at the heart or one of the main issues around why Washington has been irrelevant for years now and the idea that uh, under Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen, the team president, I believe, uh, this is an organization that has not been cohesive. And as Jay Gruden goes out the door, and Jay Gruden I think will be fine. Jay Gruden will get another job as an OC and maybe even get a second chance as a head coach. You look ahead to the Redskins, uh, Wes, and when you look to find a new head coach, and right now the interim coach is Bill Callahan, I, I don't imagine he'll be the long-term answer there, isn't it a scary job for any coach to look at? Yeah, I've been through this with the Bengals, going back to the 1990s, where you know there's only 32 of these, and your life is better when you're a head coach than it is when, when you're a coordinator most of the time. So I think people are going to want it, but – Maybe they don't get the first or second choice. Maybe they get the third or fourth choice. They apparently want Mike Tomlin. I mean, that is the the coach that Dan Snyder wants, which is great. Why would Mike Tomlin want to go from one of the most stable, well-run organizations to an organization that hasn't settled on a way to run things really since this ownership took over? I mean, they've they've played two playoff games in the last 11 years. They've won two playoff games since Dan Snyder took over, and one of those was in his first year in 1999. And you look at the structure that they always have. Bruce Allen took over this team in 2010. Back then he was the president and general manager, and then he wasn't the general manager, and they hired Scott McLuhan, and he lost his job. And then Allen is somehow taking over again, but Doug Williams is involved, but the owner's picking the quarterback. They let Jay Gruden coach one more game, I think, to let him coach Colt McCoy. I really believe that because Gruden, it sounded like, knew he was about to be fired. And this was kind of like, I didn't choose RG3. I never really wanted him. I was always ambivalent about Kirk Cousins. Uh, And here I am with Dwayne Haskins, who I didn't really want anyone. They're like, here, have Colt McCoy for one game. You're going to stink, and then we're going to fire you. I thought they had... (laughs) something going when McLuhan was picking players and turning the Redskins. There was a season or two where they had a toughness vibe to them where they'd occasionally go and beat teams up, and they they were an enjoyable watch when they were on. Right, Wes? Do you agree with that? I remember you and I, there were weeks where we would just get fired up about the Redskins imposing their will on other teams, but they didn't just beat other teams up. They beat themselves up, and that's one of the reasons why after five and a half years, I still don't know if Jay Gruden's a good coach or a bad coach. I don't think he's a bad coach because of how much that was working against him, including the litany of injuries, which were, you know, up there with the Chargers as, 
you know, the biggest plague in the league. Here's, what, here's what? part of the problem with Bruce Allen here because they ask him uh, in his press conference about, is, you know, is there a culture issue with this team? He responds, you know, the culture is actually damn good. These people care. We have a very young core of players that we have brought in here who are accustomed to winning. If you look at the record of these guys, they're accustomed to winning. They want to win. It, it, some of that is just GM speak and president speak, but also there's a lack of accountability and the, the understanding that maybe it's time to shift the dynamic of how things are operated with the organization. I, I, I was on the airplane and had a chance to watch this press conference. And first of all, this, this is the guy you have to wheel out to answer what I thought were some tough questions by some very frustrated Redskins beat writers trying to ask the questions that this extremely frustrated fan base wants to ask of their owner and of Bruce Allen. And it felt to me, answer after answer, like fraudulent, soft-sell, military-industrial complex solutions to stuff that we'll never (laughs) actually get a real answer on. It was impossible for me to take it seriously, and it was offensive, to be honest. Sometimes these NFL press conferences are really tough to watch because you can see through it. You can see through it. And this fan base is one that I think has less hope than almost any in the league because even if you're a Dolphins fan, you can say there's some vision here. What is the Redskins' vision? And Bruce Allen basically said, I couldn't be happier with what I've done up till now. I thought he took no accountability at all. I think it's the toughest job in the NFL, even tougher than than the Bengals You know, for a head coach. And I think they're a great example of, what a golden goose the NFL is. You know, their situation on game day is not very popular. Fans are not showing up. The The stadium experience isn't great. The team has been, you know, one of the very worst. And the franchise only keeps increasing in value. They keep printing money. Like, owning and running the Redskins is about as profitable and, you know, risk-free a business as possible, even though compared to the other 30, 31 franchises in the league, they're run poorly. To your point, one quick thing about Bruce Allen was asked, why? what was your response to against the Patriots? More than half the stadium was Patriots fans who were drowning out the Redskins and cheering on Tom Brady. And that's happened in other stadiums too. But Bruce Allen, instead of saying this is a you know something that I understand looks bad and we need to bring our fan, this proud fan base back, basically put it on the fans for selling the tickets on the second market. He basically said this is on the fans for creating that environment. This is on you. This is on a team that has coasted forever in terms of team building. Okay, and one last note before we move on. Callahan, as I said, the new interim head coach, said that Dwayne Haskins won't be starting uh, anytime soon. Uh, So it will be Colt McCoy or it will be Case Keenum. Uh, So get excited, Washington. But probably the right move based on what we've seen and what we've heard about the first-round pick so far. I thought there was a, a subtle departure from Jay Gruden in, in that Bill Callahan seemed to go out of his way to say Haskins isn't an option now, but that doesn't mean he won't be an option later in the year, whereas Gruden seemed to be going out of his way to say, this guy's just not ready, you know, we, we can't put him out there, you know, there were all these reasons. It just seemed like Gruden was at wit's end, basically, and yes. he didn't want Haskins, and now, he was, you know, he knew he was a dead man walking. It's like, oh, now I'm going to put in your quarterback because I get right. fired no matter which what. Are, which, what are they without yeah. a power struggle? That's all Right, which been. goes to what we're talking about. Kind of, I, I, you know, that's not a good look for Gruden, but what are you doing letting your coach and first-round pick go into a season when they don't want each other? Gruden's going to be the head coach of the Jets in January. That's oh my, my prediction. Gosh. I think offensive coordinator for the Raiders, the Gruden boys. All right, let's uh, now move on. Before we move on, we checked into our hotel 
right before we uh, got in a cab and headed over here to the stadium. And, um, you know, as I was get, getting my things together, my room, I don't know if you guys have – there's a, a bit of a weird energy to the hotel rooms. Anybody else picking that up? Well, this, <laughs> just like the, just... the vibe to it a little bit? Yes, I agree with you. And, little... um, and I started I, – I took out my phone and hit record because – Honestly, listen to what happened in my room as I was getting ready to meet you guys downstairs in the lobby. Wow. That's the sink. Yes, when I shaved... Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Who are you? Are you there? (laughs) Look, it's talking back. Listen. Listen. What are you trying to tell me? Now listen to this part. Am I in danger? See how the pitch went up? <laughs> like it's talk- you're having a conversation. It sounds like a warning. A woman, maybe one of Jack the Ripper's victims, uh, <laughs> okay. were on the east side of London, and and she's trying to tell me something. Oh, it's a clear-cut poltergeist. And Erica asked. Are you going to ask to move rooms? And absolutely not. I want to try to help her. I've got the same situation going on, and my, my pipes are singing. All right, so get the um, the phone out, and we'll track this during the okay. week. They put me up on the top floor, and I have, a number one, a beautiful view of the city, and it's an enormous room, just gigantic. <laughs> really? Beautiful, huge, multiple bathrooms. All right, let's, um, <laughs> let's get to it now. Yes, Greg takes out. The iPad, he sh- shows me the sports update, and it was an exciting moment. Um, and you know, also, Greg, the spill on the guy. Oh, yeah, I spilled the water. That was, the that was tough me. because Greg <laughs> – It was a minor spill. Greg is a guy that, you know, when he's in his, in his realm and he's in his world and he's got his book and he's relaxing in the plane, he doesn't want people messing with him, you know. A lot of people are like that, you know. Um, and the last thing you'd ever want is somebody to spill on you. When you accidentally spilled on this gentleman who was very nice about it, I, I felt very badly for you. Because <laughs> oh, then the guy, made, the guy made a real big, like, he kind of, he was nice about it, but he kind of made a big scene. He, like, stood up and he's wiping down. And then as he's going to use the, <laughs> the restroom to wipe himself off some more, he knocks Greg's drink over. And it's, it's basically a giant disaster. And, I, I mean, I was next to both of them. It was kind of a fun show, but I also I did feel for Greg. Was, well, he, I, a, was I, he a burly, larger man? What no, was his no, he was not. He was, um, he was a petite young man. He was a man, <laughs> he was a man who watched Mrs. Doubtfire, I think, twice. Wait a minute. On the same flight? Uh, it might not have been twice, but it seems it to be once. going on That's for an a, indictment a, if that a long true. time. He just, he, you have a, 275 <laughs> entertainment options, and you go straight for the doubt fire like, right off the top. Uh, the, while the, the plane was still on the runway, doubt fire. It was starts. only about an eighth of the water. The plane hadn't even taken off, and then he knocked his whole thing over, but I wasn't sitting there. You know, we, we all... We all avoided me. Anyway, problems. Greg hands the iPad over. I get the update <laughs> on my baseball team, and it got got us thinking. Uh, like I said before, <laughs> what if the iPad got handed to you on that plane, and you had not seen anything about the NFL until that very moment? What would be the biggest surprise to you <laughs> to see on that iPad? Yeah, look at it. This guy so- would be like, "Give it to me. I want some more <laughs> doubtfire. <laughs> Need it." And also, the guy Greg was nice enough to hand over the iPad. He had to hand it over this gentleman, and I could read his mind like. I asked at the beginning of the flight if you guys if you guys want to switch seats. You got me in the middle of this mess now. We see what you're doing, guy. You just want an aisle seat, which you know I don't yeah, blame nice you. Nice play. But it's it was a good power happen. play. Didn't work out. Eat the middle seat. In fact, 
when I ch- checked in my bag, the woman said to me, oh, you could be in luck. The seat's empty right now. And it got me all excited. And then you see him there, so he got what was Well, I was told that, too. Oh, oh, you're fine. Listen, there's a gaping wide middle seat. Where did you check in, Dan? Los Angeles? Yes. And they were British? Yeah. Oh. Wow. They were. That's crazy. The flight attendants? You haven't noticed sometimes on foreign airlines that they're often employed by the countries in which they serve. Yeah. Greg yeah. Duncan on you. In the that was I mean, only, mine, that mine was weren't in the States. 360 I mean, dunk there. Only slightly condescending <laughs> yeah. from Greg towards Erica there. But Eric was being condescending <laughs> right, toward me. exactly. And judging me, but that was the truth. That's, I just thought you were stuck in the No, in that's the, the norm. That's the norm. Very so normal. Greg was defending Dan by being viciously condescending <laughs> coming, towards Erica. Coming back at her <laughs> okay. in the same tone. This right. jet lag's hitting in funny ways. Okay, let's get to it. Greg, uh, I hand you the iPad. What are you okay. stuck to see? I'm stunned to see that the New Orleans Saints and Carolina Panthers lost their starting quarterbacks, Drew Brees and Cam Newton, and they've gone 3-0 and since. That they've each won three straight games against pretty good competition. Of all the things that have happened this season, that seems the most remarkable to me. We did not give the Saints much hope uh, of running the gauntlet of these last three weeks when Teddy Bridgewater took over. None of us even thought they were going to win in Seattle. We, we, you know, Wes locked them up, and we all agreed with him in the room, like that was a game that they were not going to win. That seems a little less surprising for the Panthers to rally around uh, Kyle Allen, who's had his moments, and certainly the rest of the team has too. That, that to me, is as stunning as anything, and it proves in the NFL, like, it really, it's such a cliche, but I, it's such a team game. Even if this uh, coma that we're in for the first part of the season began after that Thursday night loss to the Bucks, we'd be surprised that the Panthers did this. We were talking about the coach being flushed out, Cam Newton gone forever, et cetera. And we got a little Kyle Allen here. We got a Panthers helmet right in front of us. I mean, the us. team... Yeah, Kyle Allen has had some moments, really, the first game. But they really rallied around the greatness of Christian McCaffrey. And with the Saints, I guess what surprised me or is what's been the most impressive is they're getting better every week. They, they, you know, from the Seattle game to the Dallas game and now uh, what we saw on Sunday against the Bucks, they're just, I mean, they are scary. There's no lower – the Falcons and fans have had some low moments and certainly the, the Super Bowl is the lowest. But when, the, when Drew Brees went out, and the Falcons are coming off a Sunday night win against Atlanta. The talk was, can the Falcons open up a little bit of a lead there in the NFC South before Breeze gets back? Fast forward just three weeks, and they're buried in last place. Yeah. How about, Wes, I'm handing you the iPad. Well, I'm looking at this as, let, let's say I'm a Steelers fan. I look at this iPad. Oh, my God. My team is 1-4. and four. With an undrafted four-string rookie quarterback about to make his first NFL start, and the Dolphins have my non-lottery protected first-round draft pick. Ouch! <laughs> Rough sitch. Rough sitch. That's a surprise when I look at that that iPad. You'd be Wait, landing in Pittsburgh be, in an hour with a lot of turmoil. That's going beyond on the a worst-case scenario. At the time, Josh Dobbs is, would have been your third-string quarterback. So instead, you have a guy named Deviled Eggs Hodges here who's starting on uh, Sunday night <laughs> His name night is football. Duck. His nickname is Duck. He's like a 1925 quarterback with a leather helmet. Here's the hell of it. That's the straight, the dire straits you're in. But if Marlon Humphrey doesn't push – punch that ball out, that same undrafted four-string rookie quarterback might have just led you into first place in the AFC North last week. That close. And let me see that iPad a second. Mm. We're not going to dwell on it, but it is pretty stunning that the Browns have a quarterback that leads the NFL in interceptions, 
and their offense isn't moving the ball. We knew Cincinnati mm-hmm. was bad, maybe not quite this bad, and Wes mentioned uh, the Steelers and the Ravens. Maybe they're the only team in that division where I'd be like, okay, this makes sense. That's what I expected. Except yeah, they just got bombed by Cleveland a week ago. That division is all over the place. Yeah, but I, you kind of could see them being maybe up and down, um, hot and cold. Uh, but the rest of the division is really wacky. Mark, take the iPad. What do you see? The story that I would be clicking into article after article after article as an odyssey that took us to such bizarre places, but that I don't want to rehash entirely right now because everyone knows so much about it, is the odyssey of Antonio Brown and what happened. Mm -hmm. If you went to bed in August and you woke up now, the fact that at, at any point he went to the Patriots and things got even worse from everything that you knew about in Hard Knocks and the way it ended with Oakland, all that. But I want to spin it more positively that a team that has changed the way I feel about them, that I can't wait for them to play each week to check them out, is the Lions. And I'm not saying that they have a, a roster filled with magical parts like some of these teams that are leading the division and soaring towards the playoffs, but the Lions, to me, have been dead weight for a decade-plus, dating back forever, and have never had any belief in them. And I can't stand their dome and all this other stuff that I railed against them, their uniforms, everything from, from start to finish. Matt Patricia, who I thought had come close to a player revolt at points in his first year, has instilled some different type of culture in Detroit where he's got the right type of players. And that, that meant bringing in some Patriots guys, some known products, and that is, it is, it has turned the NFC North to me into a much more interesting division because it isn't just Green Bay and it isn't just Chicago. The other quick thing I would notice is Green Bay's defense. Another team I've always been down on Green Bay. Their defense, and they're not perfect either. But the way that they can hassle a quarterback and you're cheating right now. Why? Yeah, there's two surprises. Got, there's three. three. Well, I mean, the <laughs> NFC North being one a division that I enjoy when I've oh, I've really disliked the NFC North, and I can't explain why. I'm still Dating trying to get over to this childhood. whole Antonio Brown thing. Well, this guy's not even in the league haven't anymore. We, haven't it's we an, spit through that? The Antonio scenario? Brown thing is outrageous. The the Patricia thing. I agree. I'm totally surprised because it seemed like after year one, I hogged the iPad. He, he was going. He was going the way. <laughs> of so many other Belichick disciples where you go it along and go it alone and flame out. Daryl Bevel was a great hire by him. If you look at their them the way they're producing on offense, they you know, things went so well with Jim Bob Cooter initially and then that stopped working last year. Their running game is up um seventeen yards a game. And Matthew Stafford, uh who before the season was I remember us talking about who is Matthew Stafford, what is he um, through four weeks, he's he's got career best rates in yards per attempt, adjusted yards per attempt, yards per completion, uh, and he's attempting the ball down the field more than any quarterback this year. On average, he's throwing deeper passes. Well, they, they've gone up in one of the most crucial stats I think that every NFL team tracks, which is the around the NFL podcast usage rate. The Detroit Lions barely mentioned for many months in the offseason. Now we can't get through a show without talking about the Detroit Lions. We love them. If we had a team Our of penance. ATL this year, maybe it'd be they the Detroit be Lions. Wait a second. Whoa. Not Wait only, a second. Not only are they fun to watch, they've got a better point differential than the 4-1 first place New Orleans Saints. Do we have a team of ATN? Whoa, out of nowhere. Did, the is, it, is it coming naturally? The 
is a very special honor. It's always better when it comes naturally. All right, I'll close it out. Uh, Mark, I thought you were going, when you mentioned Antonio Brown during your winding narrative there, um, I thought you were going to give the Raiders some shine, and John Gruden specifically, because if you went out of pocket at the end of training camp, right after Hard Knocks ended, and right when Antonio Brown was hiring a social media expert to craft tweets that would get him fired by his team, and the Raiders got absolutely savaged for the experiment, which, you know, is fair in the moment to do that. There was nobody that said, well, the Raiders, not only are they going to survive without uh, Antonio Brown, they are going to be absolutely in the mix. And they're even going to go to London and beat up the Bears and win a game. They are 3-2 and two heading into their bye week. And uh, they are not a great team. I don't think they are going to be someone that puts a scare into any AFC superpower. But it is undeniable uh, thus far from what we've seen, that there is progress in the John Gruden uh, empire here from year one to year two, and there was a lot of writing Gruden off immediately. We had to give him time to start building something, and they could f- finish 5-11. and 11. It's certainly possible. But where we stand right now, they are, they, they are a success story uh, mm. in the NFL. See, so I thought you were going to mention that we lost a quarterback to a teen kissing illness. <laughs> I don't need to talk about that anymore. But that uh, yeah. would surprise you if you read that on an iPad. You know what, though? With the, they, jet, with the was, Jets, nothing surprises me. That team, though, the Jets, <laughs> and we forget about it now, there was a lot of this is going to bloom into something very watchable, too. I didn't it's, forget about that. Well, I remember saying, it they, like the good old days. There was a very favorable shine to them. Yeah, the, the Raiders, even two weeks ago, we had given up on. I mean, they had just gotten beaten up on the Chiefs and the Vikings in back-to-back weeks, and they were in the middle of what appeared to be the toughest road trip in NFL history. And they still have a while to go on it, but they just won in Indy and they just beat the Bears in London. It it is shocking to me because you look up and down, it doesn't really make sense uh, in terms of their talent, but I think their offensive line is good, and I think John Gruden's done a very nice job coaching that offense to be about as efficient as it can be. And Josh Jacobs, one of those players uh, that – they got essentially for the Khalil Mack trade, which I'm not defending that trade, but it should be noted that he looks like a young star at running back. And, and this team has some pieces now. Mm. Uh, they're, they're a team that could be on the rise. Could be. That's progress. How, how about you hand me the iPad and I check out the NFC West standings, and the Rams are in 3-2, and two, but they're in third place. This is the best division of football. Forget the NFC, NFC North. These are three teams that I find all of them really fascinating. The 49ers, Seahawks, and Rams. I think they're all legit contenders. I don't know where they're going, but I think the Rams with the 49ers coming in this week, and we can talk about that on the preview show, obviously they have to be a little worried here because you do not want to be third place in your own division. This becomes a monster game this week. And all three, I don't think they're fluky. I think they're talented. And I just, I'm looking forward to watching these three teams play each other all season. I'd point to one thing, too, that I, I, the Niners coming off that game, you're 4-0, see you. But there isn't one clear-cut dominant team in my mind. Just because I have the some, ling- some lingering questions about the Patriots' offense, but they'll probably go fourteen and two. I think that's especially <laughs> true. Yeah, you're right. In the <laughs> NFC, how many teams could go to the Super Erica, Bowl? Erica, you NFC? love my mind. My I love mind. What, I mean, she's contractually <laughs> obligated. No, to, it's so. so funny. <laughs> Let me see that iPad. Okay, last one. We got to we got to keep moving. But go ahead, Wes. It says here Aaron Jones has more TDs than Aaron Rodgers this year. <laughs> 
and yet only Bill Belichick has more wins than Matt the Flower, as Mark likes Whoa, to call that's him. That's a lot going on there. A lot going on there. That's pretty special. I did think I did think that I always because you know you know a quarterback Aaron Rodgers looked happy obviously most of that game against the Cowboys but not throwing a touchdown pass you know he's Aaron Jones you don't have to score all four of the touchdowns. It's like Walter Payton in the Bears Super Bowl when didn't he didn't score Ooh, he they walked said he off never, the field sulking he never got over he went that. and hid in the closet that they get they gave the fridge the ball at the goal line that had given Walter the hard earned. Uh, Super Bowl touchdown that he always mm. craved. That might have been a higher instance than this random right. regular there, season. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be considered Sunday. a shocker that uh, <laughs> Glory Boy Mike Ditka was wasn't thinking about Ooh. other people. Oh. How about that? Greg has got to take the Ditka shot. Ditka got banged though too at that Super Bowl twenty. Probably a dominant win. <laughs> ah, a dominant win for the Bears, of course. It was not Ditka who got carried off the field. It was Buddy Ryan. Yes, it was the defensive coordinator. That team, you could feel the implosion coming. Why are we spinning into a deep look at the? <laughs> well, I know I was about to start going. Well, Ditka's got the steakhouses, so <laughs> he won in the end. Uh, and he's got the uh, Ditka and uh, and Jaworski cigar bash that happens every Super Bowl week. You know, right, that's a big he, thing. He's got the Saturday Night Live skit. No one's if done you guys more. Don't shut up about Ditka Tamposi's going to kill right. you. Right, no one's done more with one Super Bowl than uh, Ditka. <laughs> well, here in England, here in England, from what we can gather. The, the the love of the NFL really started to bloom in the 80s. I've talked to, had many conversations with Handsome Hank about this. And the Dolphins with Dan Marino and the Bears, that famous 85 Bears team, are, are teams that captured the imagination of this region. And that's why you heard so many Bear fans uh, going nuts during their comeback against the Raiders uh, last Sunday. Uh, and then they, they let them down because of the curse. The curse, I call it. Of Walter Payton. <laughs> How many Super Bowl titles since they didn't let him go into the end zone? Big, big old zero. <laughs> that's a good call. Crazy. Maybe, crazy that's the, maybe that's who's in my hotel room. Forget the Billy Goat. <laughs> Set them free, Walter. Set them that free. Is, we did not need to fashion that. All right. Let's, uh, before we get out of here, uh, Thursday Night Football, which, uh, man, that game's going to start late here, huh? One twenty in the morning. Uh, the New York Giants, the Demon. Mark Brady said he's staying up for it until 4.30 to make sure the editing process goes smoothly. He's lying. No. 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 He's going to say that to his bosses, but he'll be asleep by 11. <laughs> the Demon. Travel to Foxborough. Oh, the Pats. Let's go over the Pat, the records of the New England Patriots opponents <laughs> so far this year. Uh, week one, they got the Dolphins, right? No. Steelers. Steelers, That's one and week four. One, all right. Week two. They got the Dolphins? They got the Dolphins, yeah. 0 and 5. Week 3, they get the Jets, 0 and 4. Week 4, they get the Bills, 4 and 1, nice. Week 5, the Redskins, 0 and 5. Week 6, the Giants, 2 and 3. Week 7, the Jets, 0 and 4. That's nice. That's a nice setup for the Pats. It seems a little crooked, I'm not going to lie. A little bit crooked. Greg, it, it's been a little lucky. I mean, especially defensively, that even the good team you played, the Bills, do not have a, a good offense. So all these numbers, let's calm down, Patriots fans. I've seen these articles. This is the is this the best Patriots defense ever? Are you kidding me? Did anyone watch football in the beginning of the aughts? Those teams were insanely talented on all three levels, dominated opponents, and did it throughout the playoffs. This team is dominating cream puffs. It's the it's the. 
2019 season. I'm not sure if they're a top five defense. I think they probably are, but let's calm down with all The that. combined record so far of New England's opponents, five and 19. Whoa. All right, let's get to this game. <laughs> five of those losses came from yeah. the Patriots. Yeah, you got to take those out. That's, all right, fine. Whatever. All right, let's get to it. <laughs> Danny Dimes. Greg, once upon a time you hoped that you could end Eli Manning's career as if that would take away the agony of those two Super Bowl defeats at the hands of the great Elijah Manning. Uh, but instead, he's long gone now. He's, he's in the rearview mirror. It's Daniel Jones mm. uh, against Tom Brady. Uh, uh, interesting matchup uh, between a 22-year-old passer and a 42-year-old passer. Uh, who will last longer in the league? Not clear at this point. Uh, <laughs> do we expect a game uh, at Foxborough? You know, the, the people in the desert don't. Um, and, I, and I can see why, because the Giants are going to be without Sterling Shepard. It sounds like Saquon Barkley is still a long shot to play. Wayne Gallman might not play. And I think we saw last week against uh, the Vikings what can happen when this Giants offense plays a more talented defense with a coordinator who knows how to attack a rookie. Daniel Jones it certainly wasn't all on him, but he he's not enough to save this organization right now. Well, no, and then you lose Sterling Shepard, you lose Saquon Barkley, so he's been playing without some of their best players, and you're expecting him to repeat these heroics that he did against the Buccaneers. This is a bad team, and they've been playing like a and bad And the team. bigger thing is they never have the ball because their defense can't get a stop. Belichick absolutely adores facing young rookie quarterbacks, and this is a good matchup for him. I mean, I, he gets I, off on it. I put it at the level of I would be utterly I love this. humanly shocked if the Giants won this game. Humanly shocked. If it was in the Meadowlands, maybe in prime time, not, and you get a not, little frisky. I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's being Fox played Burrow. in Eli Manning's backyard. <laughs> <laughs> the Patriots have a lot to work on, uh, but I don't think on both sides of the ball, especially on offense, but you look at this Giants defense, and it's – you know, it's still right there with the very worst in the league. If the Patriots can't get healthy in terms of running the ball and being having a little more rhythm on offense, they're not going to have Philip Dorsett in this game. Then that's cause for concern at, at this stage of the season. But you're, you said it. They have the Jets, and then they finally kind of face the meat of their schedule. They have about a six- or seven-week stretch uh, against a bunch of playoff type of teams. Brady threw the ball 31 times in the first half on Sunday, and they were not doing much. It wasn't until they really started moving the ball on the ground that Brady was able to get loose, and uh, they opened the floodgates on the Redskins. They intentionally abandoned the run, and they. I came out of that game. They by in the end, they did everything you would have thought, and and you look at the box score, it looked fine. But they, if they get tangled with an opponent that forces them to make explosive plays, the Patriots don't have that right now. They they miss Gronkowski. And Josh Gordon and Brady, there was a deep connection where Brady just completely overthrew him. They're not completely in sync. No, he doesn't know what Gordon's going to do. That's the key to being a Tom Brady receiver is you have to see the defense the same way he does and Gordon doesn't. Breaking news. Uh Uh-oh. Speak of the devil. Speak of the sentient keg. Rob Gronkowski will make his network debut this week on Fox NFL Thursday. And let me tell you something. That is all that is. Don't worry about the, the debut on as an analyst. That's not his future. We all know that's not what he's going to be doing. That just takes him one step closer to the game, one step closer to the field. And the Patriots, who do not have a tight end they could rely on right now, get ready, everybody. It's happening. And this is the first step toward his return in December, which will not only... Um, you know, really help the 
Patriots win another Super Bowl, it will get me sandwiches, and that's a great thing. I um, I still think it's about a 50-50 shot on that whole sandwich thing, but I don't know how you got this moves him closer to the field by him moving into the because well, remember, he's, he's on the field. It seems like a distinctive move away Re- from right. Remember when he takes was like, away his freedom. Remember what he was at like a, a taco hut opening and he was getting choked up and he said he, you know, he couldn't play and he was hurt uh, and he was trying to get away from football. Well, now he's talking about football. He's going to be uh, on the football field. He's going to be talking to Terry Bradshaw. He's going to be reminiscing about the good old days. And the, it's coming back. Here comes the itch. I think Taco Hut would bring him closer than actually <laughs> broadcasting the games. Well, the, fair enough. I, I would hope if they do bring him back, it goes better than the Ben Watson reunion, who they had to uh, release mm. this week after he came off suspension. It is a very WWE move, and Gronk is very much a WWE guy and fan to kind of come back late in the oh, season. It's, it's 100% it's happening. Do it. I mean – Come on, Ryan Izzo, please. Wait, and by the way. I love the analysis of this. Let's not glaze over this. Rob Gronkowski is going to be an analyst? Okay. Because he's yeah, a wrestling goes. fan, well, what he's are, definitely coming back. What are half of these hires? It's personality. It's charisma. It's shouting at the camera. You know, that's yeah. It's not. I wouldn't. I, don't know. I wouldn't. We're not getting mathematical. I don't know if he's you know camera magic when it comes to you know thinking on his feet and breaking things down or What's that throwing in for? a funny joke. I just. I mean, it, it's a certain skill set. To thrive in the job that he's taking, that's all. Might yeah. shine. Regu- a bunch of regular stand-up comedians <laughs> in the Fox Sports <laughs> broadcasting group. Please. <laughs> all right. Let's get out of here. Um, yes. Here's what's coming up this week. Name names. Thursday. Hey, Moose and Goose. Let's go down to the Chuckle Hut. Please. <laughs> the Taco Hut? Taco Hut. Uh, our Thursday preview. So generic. You'll get that. Uh, a video show will go up at noon Pacific, 3 m Eastern, 3 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. BT. I guess that's the time zone. News to me. Uh, Sky will be at Sky Sports on Wednesday. So if you're uh, uh, from this region, check that out. Inside the Huddle show airing on Sky Sports, hosted by Neil The Reynolds. great Neil Reynolds. Uh, a venue show at Tottenham Stadium Shop coming up exclusively to Game Pass subscribers. Can we share the number of the people that – the number of people that try to get tickets to this, 18,000 people uh, signed up to get the tickets. Uh, we had to turn away roughly 17,914. Mark, are we sending those numbers wow. back to Culver City for various bosses and higher-ups to just... So we have a shadowy league figure is confirming this figure. It felt like maybe an extra zero had gotten put on there by a typo. That seems outrageous. No, I asked the guy to repeat himself. I said, I'm sorry, you said thousand? I mean, the Charlotte Hornets don't draw that much. I'm starting to think we got a, the venue is too small that we booked for our Friday live show. How many? Just, just a there? hunch. 150. 150. <laughs> well. All right, that's it. Uh, we, let's catch up on some sleep. Let's get some room service. Uh, let's let's snuggle under the blankets together, boys. All of us in the same room. You and this female ghost in your room. <laughs> let's go. This Mark's is Dan- jealous of your female ghost. <laughs> <laughs> you have a robot in your garage. You got a female ghost in your Dan Hansen signing off for the Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood on the machine. Till Thursday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.